It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, welcome back. Uh, let's get a general view right now on a man who's heard across the SEN airwaves all through the year. Uh, Andrew Webster, Chief Sports Writer of the Sydney Morning Herald, joining me right now. Webby, how are you, mate? How's the summer of Webby going? <laughs> Very similar to the summer of George, actually, from Seinfeld. It's been just an absolute non-event. <laughs> oh, it's been okay. I've actually been off for seven weeks. This is my second day back. So it's a slow grind, but luckily uh, rugby league never sleeps and there's plenty going on. How was your break, Adam, more importantly? I didn't have one. You got seven weeks. How's your collective bargaining agreement going with the, uh, the your, your employers? I work, I work hard and I hadn't taken them. <laughs> That's outstanding work. Much nope. of their chagrin, but I've been working. I've been working through on another project uh, throughout the seven-week period, so I didn't have much of a break, to be honest. Another book? Another book. Another book in the pipeline, okay. allegedly. You obviously haven't signed the deal for it, so I won't get you to say what it's for or who it's on. <laughs> oh, so. I think I have. I think I have. Oh, you have? I but... have. I've been running, working on a book on Wayne Bennett for the last year. I've talked about it on, oh. on both Matty White and Matthew Johns' show, so... It's an unauthorised uh, biography of uh, Wayne, yeah. um, but he was the first person I called about it. So he's been helping me with it, and we've been working away. It's a fascinating. It's a beast, though, as you as you could imagine, with some a career that's been that long. But it's been a really fascinating project, and he's been really, really upfront and honest. And I think it'll come up come up good. It's all going to ramp up, obviously, with um, the Dolphins in the next couple of uh, next few weeks. So I actually spoke to him uh, early this morning, and he. They got back from a, a camp, the Dolphins, in the last few days, an army camp, two-day camp, and they seem to be bouncing into training yesterday. I thought the way that Felice Kafusi talked in, uh, in he did media yesterday, did the media rounds, and I like the way that he made comparisons to Geelong, and when Geelong won the flag last year, unfortunately beating the Swannies, <laughs> the way that they, on their Mad Monday, celebrated by all dressing up as old men because everyone thought they'd be too old to to win a, a premiership. And I think that was, um, that's going to be the theme of the dolphin season. Write them off at your peril. Yeah. You I, I, I've been mentioning to the guys here that the last couple of days that, um, yeah, I, I get that. It's the easy thing to say, Oh, dolphins look at their, look at their playing roster. They've missed out on all the big names. They're going to finish last. Wayne Bennett teams don't finish last. Like I, I can remember once that Brisbane had a horrible year. I think it was the year after they won the premiership. One year, and they were like last for ages. They came good. They snuck into the eight. But Wayne Bennett teams, and he he will be able to identify this and strip it right back and just make them really, really difficult to beat. The effort areas will be through the roof. I can't see them finishing last. I can see them finishing closer to the to the eight than last. I, I, I'm actually uh, I'm with you. I agree. I, I can't believe how people have sort of written them off. Look, you know, they obviously need some... They've missed this. I think people have discounted them because they've missed out on the Munsters and the Pongers and the Reese Walshers and whoever else. But, you know, it starts up front. And I think when you've got those two Bromwich brothers, I think Kenny Bromwich is one of the most underrated forwards in the competition. He is, he is class. I think Kafusi is the animal that they need in their pack. Um, 
and I, and you're right, they've got Wayne there. So uh, I think there's teams that are that are going to struggle far more than um, far more than than Redcliffe. I suppose the issue is like he's there for the next two years. Just how long is it going to take for them to turn into a possible premiership course? And if that's the case, how long will Wayne hang around for it? Mm. Um, if he's only there for a couple of years. So it's going to be an interesting, uh, an interesting season. I'm also intrigued about how you can write an unauthorised biography about someone but have full collaboration with them. That's that's great work by you, Webby. Well, I, well that started as unauthorised and I called him and told him and he, he, he very shrewdly de- uh, made the decision to um, to work with me. Yeah. and you Work can... with me then against me. And you can keep all the money. You don't have to give any to him because it's unauthorised. That's, that's the best thing. <laughs> That's just, that's the best thing. Because <laughs> I need it. Uh, uh, absolute Don't king in that regard. That's fantastic work by you. Hey, um, <laughs> this is uh, – it could be labelled in the past atrocity month, if you like, in, in NRL because a lot of players are training hard and then they have some spare weekends and spare time. But hopefully it's not the case. And uh, this is the, the month uh, leading up to their first trial where they're absolutely getting battered. What do you think are a couple of storylines that might emerge or or rumble on over the next couple of weeks? Uh, I, I do think, well, I do think uh, what's happened at the Broncos with Selwyn Cobbo, I know it's a, a throwaway line in an hour and a half podcast, but to me, I, I think they're a really interesting story um, throughout this season. Uh, I think Kevin Walters is under enormous pressure to um, to keep his job. Uh, the Selwyn Cobbo thing, it's look. There's there's different ways you could look look at it. The first reaction is that this is another entitled player speaking out of turn, and he shouldn't be saying such things on podcasts. The curse of the podcast. Mm. It's been the curse of social media. Now it's the curse of the podcast. Kids out there, if you're going to go into a studio, if you're going to put on a head, you're going to put on headphones. If you're going to talk into a microphone, there's a big chance <laughs> that that might pop up somewhere on the interweb at some stage. So be very careful with what you say. But I think Selwyn Cobbo, from what I could get uh, uh, sort of ascertain yesterday with talking to various people at the club, uh, was very, very remorseful for what he said. He's not, a, he's not an entitled type kid, um, uh, but it was just a very clumsy, if anything, and this is now that sort of the, the dust has settled on it, to be honest, for mine, it's the fact that he would make that comment mm. about the coach. And we talked about Wayne Bennett before, but if you talk to, like, whether it's uh, Craig Bellamy or Trent Robinson or, or or whoever, like, or Tim Sheens even, do, do you think a player under those type of coaches would make that comment so openly? Um, I don't think they would. And I think no. that's the issue for... Yeah, to me, it, it gives a little bit of an insight into just the... Um, just a lack of cohesion and just the lack of spirit in the Broncos at the moment, which is a very un-Broncos uh, thing to say, but it's, it's symbolic of what's been going on there ever since Bennett left the joint uh, four years ago. Webby, are you mainly on the uh, the rugby league beat for the, the next few weeks or are you keeping your eye on some, some other stuff around town, namely cricket uh, or maybe the Australia Open tennis, Kyrgios, etc.? I'll be, I uh, be looking at Kyrgios very closely. I find it very weird, though, that the whole... Um, uh, the uh, Breakpoint, the Netflix documentary, they seem to have given previews to to about 500 journos because they've all weighed in in the last couple of days with comment pieces. And the reviews aren't particularly great, are they? 
Well, I, I have to say, I have to say with with Kyrgios, Adam, I'm a, I've got Kyrgios fatigue already, and the bloke hasn't played a single set of tennis at the Australian Open yet. So, yeah. hopefully, the best thing we could. There's three things I'm sick of reading about at the moment. What Harry and Megan uh, are saying, Agree. what's going on in their life. Agree. Who the next James? Who the next James Bond is? Who cares? How many times does that story pop up in your newsfeed? I'm sick of that. Yeah. And whatever Nick Kyrgios is saying. I'm done with him. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done. You're cancelling him. No, I... I'm done. I'm done. I'm cancelling <laughs> Nicky Kay. <laughs> no, I'll I'll watch him wherever he plays, but you're right. It um it does get a bit tedious and everything. I the I said this to producer Dom just then as well about the about the Netflix doco. They've given all the previews to tennis journos. Now tennis journos know everything. That they spending a bit of time in Adelaide last week coming to realization yet again that tennis journos actually don't write as much info as they do write because they, they've got to protect themselves. They're on the circuit. They're living in each other's pockets. You know, there, there's so many stories going around. But they've given all the preview episodes to tennis journos who know all this stuff anyway. You, you yeah. might, I reckon you give the previews to people who have no desire to watch tennis and see if they mm. like it and they will have it because that's how it worked for Formula One. It works spectacularly well, and there's a golf one coming out as well, so it'd be interesting to see that one too. But the thing is, like Malcolm Knox, who isn't a tennis writer for the Herald, actually wrote a great piece today, just uh, comparing it to the Formula One Netflix series. Yeah, and that like there just they're, they're, there is like open con, uh, conflict in that sport. Like they, they all go away to their trailers and then they come out and they all, you know, they're all they're, <laughs> they're highly competitive and they've all got big egos. I'm not saying the tennis players don't, but they do yeah. all. Um, live in each other's pockets from 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 tournament to tournament in the lounge in the locker room, you know. I know Nick has probably got more and shown more animosity towards other players. I don't know how much he does of it face to face. I think a lot of I think a lot of his combativeness is via social media. Yeah. When I was reading all this, when I was reading all this stuff with Leighton Hewitt last week and the fallouts that he's had with Tennis Australia. And he's just tweeting sort of a stream of consciousness. I feel like going, mate, have you ever thought instead of tweeting it, why don't you pick up, why don't you use that bit on the phone with the little telephone receiver and call him and have a, a, a grown up chat mm. about it? It just seems all very, um, it seems all very juvenile. Yeah, me, if they be. don't. And, and Leighton as well, he, like, I, I guess he's tried, but they, like I wrote a piece last week and it's just like, it's a head scratcher because you go, the most talented player of his generation, the most talented player of his generation, who's now in control of the Davis Cup team and a bit of power in mm. Australian tennis, they don't talk to each other. That's just sad. I don't, I don't get I think, how, how they can't get over it to just. But I don't down. think that's a. I don't think that's a hero curious thing. I think that's a that's a curious most people eventually mm. think. And look, I think people also forget Adam. Like, and I, you know, when you've been around as long as we have, you're obviously significantly older than I am. But when you when you've been around for a while, when you've been around for a while, like I remember writing stories fifteen to twenty years ago about Leighton Hewitt and him having enormous issues, not so much with Tennis Australia, but definitely with Paul McNamee over uh, when he was the tournament director at the um, Aussie Australian Open. Open. Yeah, yeah, you know, like it was a, it was a, uh, like about the surface about whether he got about his draw. There was huge blues between Paul McNamee and Team Hewitt. I'm sort of thinking about circa 2005 
um, over all, a whole raft of things that he didn't feel like he was getting supported by, you know, in that case, his, his home tournament. So it's not like it's new. The difference with Hewitt was is that he won stuff. Yeah. He won, he won Grand Slams. You know, he almost like, and I find it so he's so similar to, to Kyrgios in the, in the sense that they both needed almost to be two sets down to, to get motivated and get going or, you know, to, to, to claw their way back. But, but Leighton was, could just, was, the difference was he could actually win titles. And I know, I know that Nick won uh, the doubles title with uh, Kokonakis last summer, and I know he did well at Wimbledon last year, but it's, it's going to be. I, I, I fear that it's going to be a. It, it, it's his talent to waste. I think yeah. people sort of forget that. But it's. Um. I find it. I just get anxious watching him and reading about him. I just. I've got enough head noise with again and, and having any of uh, Nick Kyrgios in there. <laughs> that latent one with Paul McNamee. I remember. Um. I think it was that run that he was having in 05 or it might have been a couple of years before when it was the old rebound ace. So Leighton hated the rebound ace surface before they that changed it. The hardcore. Well, you know what he called. Remember. Remember what he called it? Cow shit. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, mid-match, I remember sitting there, mid-match, and Paul McNamee was sitting basically under where the, the Hewitt crew were sitting in the in the players' box. And McNamee, the, the tournament director, sits in this seat on the baseline. And mid-match, Hewitt has missed a shot, and he just turned around and screamed at the top of his voice to Paul McNamee, fix the effing court. <laughs> and this was <laughs> mid-play, but Leighton, the, the, the ultimate competitor, that was just his reaction to stress and, and all tennis players have a different way of comprehending stress and, and using some kind of thing in the crowd or within themselves as an outlet. Now, Roger Federer never used anything as a reaction to stress. Rafa, he no. starts picking his backside no. and things like that. Djokovic starts yelling at the crowd in Serbian and Nick, he just goes at whoever's in his player's box, unfortunately for those people in his player's box. But um, hey, they know the score these days, don't they? There's got to be no worse place to watch a tennis match than Nick Kyrgios's player's box. Absolutely. Totally agree. Imagine sitting there getting... I, I wouldn't know what to say. No, I, I reckon would... I'd end up... I, I, I know. I actually, I've got a fair idea what I'd say. And what? I don't know if I can say it on a family network like the SEN network. No, no. I, I, yeah, I totally agree with you. I know where you're going with that one, Webby. Uh, last one. Um, we did have a, a, a text in earlier saying, um, can you ask... Uh, Webby, this is from Paramat. Um, what have you been watching Paramat, whilst him. having peeled grapes dropped into your mouth this summer, Webby? <laughs> that was uh, not my quote. Matter. His. Just, just did, what, what was I watching? Yeah. I watched a lot of. I watched a lot of NFL. Okay. Who's your Super Bowl I team? A lot of NFL. Well, I have to. I've written about um, the Buffalo Bills today, and and their. Um, they run because of uh, the emotion around them because of uh, Demar Hamlin. Like mm. if they can ride that for the next month, they're going to be hard to beat. And they're also got Josh Allen. And they're also the favourites at the start of the season. But I did have a sneaky little wager on the uh, Los Angeles Chargers to win the AFC Conference at the start of the year. So that's who I'll be going for. So Paramat NFL, a lot of Seinfeld that I've watched before, but now I can probably repeat it uh, ad nauseum at the drop of a hat, which is pretty sad. Good stuff. Uh, Webby, great that you're back after your seven-week hiatus when you were still working but not working um, on your day job. But you're back to the day, day job now and look forward to reading plenty more in uh, in the Herald in the coming weeks. Good, man. Thanks, Adam. Andrew Webster joining us on Mornings. And we're off to a quick break. Got a bit of news. And uh, we'll be back with the, the balance of the show after that.